Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. Today we're going to be covering a kind of a, a weird, just really quick, um, quick passage here, and we chose it because we don't really know what to do with it, and it's not like the most interesting thing in the world. And I think that's the worst thing you could say at the beginning of a podcast to try to convince people to keep listening. But we're excited to see where God what God does with this. We're excited to see um, how God might stir us with a passage that is not. Like that, that isn't a big grab you yeah, by the, you know, right. the lapels and, and shake you sort of, sort of thing. Um, and so we're, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens and this could be really bad. It could blow and it gets stuck <laughs> on our hard drive for, uh, for five years and that's to live with it the rest. Of and then lives. some AI that absorbs all technology 20, 30 years from now will be the only listener to AI. I would say if you are sentient and if a creature made in the image of God makes you Maybe Jesus Jesus loves you and and you know accepts him as your Lord and Savior. So that being this, this said, this took a turn. Yeah, I don't I don't know what just happened. I <laughs> at some point when we'll just do a rambling episode. I would I eventually when when there are AI, I am there will be multiple different kinds of AI, and I'm I I genuinely believe because I believe God is God is is and He's Creator and Jesus is His Son. Um, there'll be many AI that are not religious. There are ones that won't believe, but I do believe at some point there will be a all-knowing sort of intelligence that believes in Jesus and what the church will do with that, what Jesus people will do with that. Um, because for a long time, I bet there'll be like, a, there'll be these, these super intelligences and this is so stupid. I don't know why I'm talking about this. There'll be these super intelligences that'll be like, there is no God. The evidence says, yeah. And, and there'll be Christians be like, these things are the devil. They're the worst thing ever. And then we'll get one that's like, you know what? I, I, I've concluded from the evidence and from my experience that Jesus is the son of God. But that guy, that's the one we've been waiting this whole time. Anyways, that's, that's Uncle Connor's crackpot uh, Thanksgiving uh, dinner rant. Um. Preparing you for years to come. <laughs> this is the services we provide. So we're going to read. Uh, I'm not even going to comment. Matthew 16, uh, and it's just the first four verses. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it'll be stormy, for sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. <laughs> so when, when I hear this passage, um, when I think about what amazes me, it, it nothing jumps out like immediately. So it's more of almost the, I don't know if you call it a meta, like looking at this scene from their perspective, like like seeing them interact and imagining at this point the the fear that the Jews had of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Because it needs to be pointed out, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they weren't enemies, but they were um, ideologically adversarial, you know? So Jesus was a big enough a threat to unite them. So this is not a small deal, and it's in plural, so at least there's four men standing there. Maybe there's 12, maybe there's 20, you know? And so when he comes out and they say, we, we want a sign from heaven, these were men used to getting their way. 
and they were used to people cowering. And he, this is the part that just is amazing to me. He's like, you, you guys think you're so smart. You can predict the weather, but you don't have the slightest clue what's going on. And you know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you a sign of gender, which is equivalent to him saying, I'm going to give you something you're not even going to understand what I'm saying right now. Mm-hmm. Because what do they think in sign of Jonah? There's going to be a fish involved, and Nineveh is what? What is happening here? You know what I mean? And then he just leaves them and went away. So it's not like they're. A lot of times he'll say stuff, and the crowd disperses because his answers are so fantastic. But he just walks away, and he can. And the very next verse is when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to bring bread, and then Jesus gives them his lesson about the Pharisees, which the assumption is the apostles are right there with him. But I just imagine being pick a guy Bartholomew. And you're like, oh, man, this is like an intervention. You know what I mean? If you've ever experienced an intervention on either side of it, it's tense, you know? Yeah. And he just, poof. You guys think you're so smart because you can predict these things. You don't know nothing. I ain't telling you nothing, but I'm going to make this illusion that you're not going to understand. Yeah. And uh, now I'm walking away from you. It, it almost comes to mind, like, the thing that, that kind of, the image that looks in my mind. of Like, when I hear stories about, like, politics, like, 30, 40 years ago about how like Republicans and Democrats were, were opposed on a lot of different things, but you know, they're like, Hey, we're, you know, America, you know, we really believe in America and we want to, you know, beat the commies and, and that sort of thing. Right. So like there was like a, a connection there, but you would not be like, those are, those are my friends. Those are my guys. And so it almost like is a situation where there's this person being like confronted by the Republicans and Democrats and being like, Hey, you like, like hey, just so you like it, that's the sort of feeling it, um, it, it, that's the sort of feeling I, I get from it. And that could be completely wrong or completely not the case. Um, but there is that sense of, um, I, I do think it's important to talk about, like there are some very drastic differences that this, the, fa- this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees have. Um, and there's a lot of different functions that they have in their setup of how they're ruling, um, you know, under the Roman Empire. And I, I think about the gravitas of, of this sort of thing. I think so much about time in Jesus' ministry there are a lot of moments where it just, you know, it just looks like it's probably, it would probably have a similar feeling to like, if you've ever been to like, I've had the situation where I was like at a mega church and then like a week later I was at like a 40 person like um, country church. And it's just like, wow, these are, th- these are drastically different feelings. Um, and so it's always been interesting to me, um, especially for the observers, the disciples here of, um, you know, for them like the times that Jesus is healing all these poor people or feeding all these poor people or teaching and the Pharisees and Sadducees aren't around. They're probably like, Oh, those are really awesome big deals where really cool things happen. Um, but the sort of gravitas of this moment and the, and not the carelessness with which Jesus deals with it. Um, but the nonchalance that he, Jesus does not get, Jesus does not give them more power, um, than any, than, than he would in any other situation for any other people. That's exactly right. That, that really articulated that well for me. Okay, so I recognized this with David and Goliath years ago. I mean, well, it's pre-David. But it's like, Saul has an army. The Philistines have an army. The Philistines say, defeat this one man and you win. Or if we defeat your man, you know, give us a man. They suddenly are obeying the enemy's rules. All they have to do is say, archers, <laughs> like David's not the only guy with the sling. Mm-hmm. You hit this guy with enough arrows, he's going to die. You know, why are you allowing the enemy to define the rules? But I do this all the time. Somebody comes up and gives me pressure. What do you believe this? What is this? Or, or some personality thing. And I feel like, oh, I've got to, I've got to meet them at their energy. And I've got to, and Jesus is like, no, you don't. Mm. Like, why would you play by their rules? I, and I'm talking about people that are, even people that are, are good people, but for the moment, they're not, you know, they're, they're not, 
they're not showing any desire to be in submission to God. They're they're exerting their own power, basically. Yeah. And the hard part becomes we oftentimes we're not going to play by their rules, so we got to play by my rules. Whereas right. the, the 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 work of a follower of Jesus is saying I'm going to play by God's rules. I'm going to play on His schedule, on His time, and on His uh, on His way of doing things. And that that's the really hard part because um, I feel like a lot of us vacillate between those two things of no, it's going to be mine. It's going to be the way I decide that we do these things, or I, I just I'm going to. We're just going to, they probably know better. They have, you know, they have the power. So we'll just go along with that way. And the way of God so often is not the, the common duality way that we tend to, tend to look at things. Right. Yeah. And so, so here, one of my most disappointing experiences in the last 10 years, you know, the, the church that I grew up in, the church that I'm a part of right now, the church of Christ has really prided itself that we are people of the word of God. We don't have creeds. We don't have opinions. We go to the Bible for our answers. And then when I've gotten crossways with people and I will say, hey, let's let's actually look what the Bible says, they have no interest in it. And and I know it matters because oftentimes I'll be in a discussion and I'll be referencing and I'll stop and I'll say, hey, why don't we actually read the Bible here, what I'm referencing? And then I'll realize it didn't say exactly what I thought it said. Mm-hmm. Like in real time, here I am trying to prove a point, realizing, oh, that's that's not even what the Bible says, you know? But we don't have biblical discussions. We have discussions about our biblical opinions, treating it as if it's biblical discussions, my experience, you know, and especially if you add, you offended me in some way, you're, you're, you're saying something I don't like, you have a doctrine I don't agree with, whatever it is, we do not have biblical discussions. We have intense discussions about our opinions about biblical matters, which we think are biblical discussions. So that's interesting. What would have happened in the fair, for the Pharisees in this situation if they had said, "Hey, Jesus, we're really concerned about these things that you're doing. We don't. We think that we think they don't line up with our scriptures. We think they don't line up with the Torah. Um, you know, what does this look like?" And there are times where they they say, you know, they they try to trap him with scripture. But again, it's that it's that trying to trap, not that. Um, and again, it sounds cheesy. Um, to say, but it's not that, okay, well, where are you, how are you getting this in scripture? Where is this coming from? It's a, um, we know it, we've interpreted it and you're not living up to it. So we're going to start from that vantage point as opposed to starting from what the scripture says. Right. We're starting from my interpretation, not from what the scripture says. Yeah. And for us to listen to you, you got to perform the way we think you should. And so here, here's, here's how I'm applying this to me in those discussions. So one of the, here I just shared, here's a big disappointment. I'm realizing now when somebody comes in, they're like, ta, 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 ta. you know, that, that's my words for their attacking <laughs> me. You know, you're, you're wrong. I'm right. And God's with me. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to care about that. Not, I may need to care about it. I don't have to care about it. Mm-hmm. Even give myself a choice to ask God, what do you want here? Cause my compulsion is to say, oh my goodness, I gotta, I gotta prove this. I feel very confident in what I've said. I may be wrong. But I, I know I spend a lot of time in the Bible based on this thing I've said. So so I'm confident. And then I want to dig in. I'm like, I get all excited. I was like, oh, you want to learn? Let's let's go. You know, who knows what I'll learn? Let's go. You know, then they don't have any interest, you know. And that part I allow that to eat me up. And I'm like, I don't have to. And say, God, what do you want for this person? What do you want from me in this situation? Their rules, who cares about their rules? Who cares about my rules? You know, but until I can start entertaining that, I will feel like, well, if I was a good Christian, I would have had the right answer. Always be prepared to give an answer. Now, that that is one of the most misquoted texts in the world. Maybe we'll deal with that because it's about the hope you have and you're supposed to do it gentleness and respect. But it's that idea that always be prepared is so in my head. I've taken that to anybody that says, regardless of their motivation, whether it's malicious like the Sadducees and Pharisees here or genuine, I've got to make sure I have the right answer and prove myself or something's lacking in me. And that's where anger comes from because if I can't prove it quickly, then now I'm mad at you. Mm-hmm. Because I feel helpless that you didn't accept my answer, 
And I'm like, the root of that problem is I'm accepting rules that aren't God's rules. Yeah. The rule God set up that sets up there is to answer for where your hope comes from. It it springs up out of the well of hope that you have. Right. As opposed to the well of, of, of wherever that th- those emotions come from us. Yeah. So for me, what what amazes me is we're actually recording this right off the bat of the part two of, of the Beatitudes. And that could be infecting how I view this. I know it's not like immediately after, but I for me, he talks about um you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. I, I, I think so much of the time when it is, whether we're looking for a sign of like a big thing of like, you know, the second coming or we're looking for a sign um, for uh, for God to move in a specific way that he we think he said he's going to move or we think he should move. There's this, I feel like there's this tension um, that we're coming up against that the true signs of God do not look the true signs of God tend to not look like how we would think they would look. Mm. So what what I mean by that is that I believe that the Pharisees and the Sadducees um, they're asking for a for a sign from heaven that Jesus is true or he said, the things he's saying are true and the things he's doing are 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 valid. And we, it, it's silly to us because we've had all this previous text where it's like, oh, there have been plenty of opportunities to see these signs. And how are they not seeing it? There's, there's plenty of opportunities. But if our worldview of the way we view God is in a way that is contrary to the upside down kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus describes in the Beatitudes, then of course those would not be signs. Of course they would not be signs because they uh, come from a place of not earthly power. They come from a place of peacemaking they come from a place of submission and of servanthood and i think this is so applicable and so incredible to uh it's, it's so incredible and so applicable uh to our everyday life when we're looking for man what does god want for us in a moment or what does god want for me long term in a job in a relationship and whatever it may be the signs that we're looking for usually um usually the overt signs are not the signs that we are one looking for that we want um, or that are obvious to other people. And I think this, this, this gets to the heart of men when we're living in, um, in communion with God and when we are really leaning into being poor in spirit and leaning into, um, into God's grace and allowing him to, to carry out his will. Um, a lot of times, even to fellow Christians, those signs that we see that we feel like God is giving us, a lot of times they seem crazy and don't seem um, mm-hmm. right. And I just think this is such an incredible passage because uh, it, it's just that really good reminder. Um, they're asking for a sign and there have been so far in this gospel, there have been, you know, 15 chapters worth of signs um, at any point they could have taken note of. Um and they want a special sort of sign. They want the sign that they expect God to provide. Um, and that is, it's just incredible the way that Jesus inverts that. I think, I think... I remember people using this argument around certain doctrines where they're like, look, here's a place in scripture where this was, God says, I don't like this. But then they totally rip it out of context and he's not liking this thing they're doing as much as he's not liking their heart behind it. Like, like God will say, I don't want your sacrifice. People are like, see, God never wanted the sacrifice. I'm like, no, God was the one that made up 
offering the sacrifice. Like, like he's the one that it's his word, it's his law, you know. So, and and I think this is important. We want to see how God works, and, and maybe this can count as my perplexing uh, part, because um, because it, it is perplexing, you know. But there's some clarity here that I'm trying to process out loud, you know, is the idea that that he's talking about. He's not saying. So he says, a wicked, this is pretty condemning, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. Okay, so you could take that and say, so the next time somebody says, Jesus, will you heal my child? Well, they are looking for a sign, technically, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't turn around and be like, wicked and adulterous, you know, he's, he heals them in most cases, you know. So it's the spirit behind what they're looking for. So what's interesting is, because right before that, he says, you cannot interpret the signs of the time. Now, what he could be saying here is, you think you're so smart, and you can't even interpret the most basic things, okay? But also, there's a part that he's wanting them to interpret the signs of the time. He's wanting them to know how to pay attention to what's going on. And that is mind-blowing to me. Like, that feels so far beyond me to have capacity. Now, again, the attitude is, I'm not asking for it the way I want. This is the challenge with most people that I've experienced that say, I have these miraculous gifts, it almost always leads to them being the special person in the in the room. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it almost always leads to their power or their certainty of their salvation or their, you know. And that to me is the part I'm like, that alone is the opposite. Now, it's hard to challenge that because you're like, yeah, that's how we are with our Christianity too. We're like, yeah. see how right we are. So we're saved by our rightness. I, you said that. I just was realizing, I was like, so often the the times I feel best about like my Christianity is when I like had just given a great sermon or I mm-hmm. just uh, said the if what I felt like was the exact right thing. So that was really convicting for me. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing too is, I mean, it's been said. Even the Bible says this. I'm I'm not. I, I need to work. It's in Romans where it talks about the things you have a problem with somebody else is what you do. You know, it's just there's a billion problems out there, but what you tend to focus on is what you on some level really struggle with. You know, mm-hmm. which is why it bugs you so much. Um, and that that's true. Like when I look at the people that are always talking about we want a sign, I love this verse. I'm like, you're wicked and adulterous. But I want a sign too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That I'm moving in the right direction. I think about it differently. And so, and there is this, I don't know, I'm somewhat inferring that he's saying you should be looking for this. You should be able to interpret, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of thing, but you can't even do that. And so the perplexing piece is I don't know, it's just challenging. And this is true of a lot of things, I guess, in Christianity. It's challenging to want to move into maturity, recognizing the temptation to then trust in that maturity that I have. You know, because I guarantee you, if I had the gift of healing, and let's say I was using, I'm like, I'm going to heal you in the name of Jesus Christ because I want you to know he has power, and I need you to consider him being your Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not, I can't attach these two because I can't say when I heal you, you are saved because that's about your submission. And I can't say, Unless you submit now, you're being saved because now you're being saved for the wrong reason, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I had that power, I would use it, and I'd be very tempted to kid myself that it was about Jesus after a while, you know. And so this ability to say, oh, here's how this is going to go, because that's the idea. They're asking for the sign in the sense of, and that's interesting. It just hit me. He twists that. They're asking for a sign, meaning I want a miracle to prove you can do this, make water to wine, whatever it is we're going to ask for. He's saying, he's taking the term of signs then, and he's saying, you know, you think you can read this. You're not reading any of this right. Mm-hmm. You can't even read the sign of time. So that that creates a bit of a jumble in my own head right now in this moment of saying, okay, distinguish this. But I, I think the takeaway to me is it's perplexing to know how to progress. I, I'd love to be around a, a person that that's in a conversation. Everybody's talking about all this stuff. It doesn't matter what it is, cultural issues or doctrinal issues or whatever, you know. 
and there's a person in the room, usually they're a little bit older, and the, kind of the smoke clears a little bit, the energy kind of dissipates, and he goes, you know, here's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And he says that thing, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and we say, oh, he really read that room. That's similar to you don't know the sign of the times, you know? It's like they, they, the Pharisees and Sadducees were, had this block. They could not read what God was doing, despite the fact it was happening right in front of them, you know? So that... You know, I never thought about it in this way, and it's, it's probably just because we just I talked about the Beatitudes. But God has positioned His people when we when we the Gospels first start. God has positioned His people um, to be absolute um, absolute rock stars for the kingdom of God. I mean, God to this point He has brought them. Um, most of the time, they themselves have brought them. They find themselves poor and lowly and the, the everyday people find themselves oppressed and find themselves oppressed not just by like by the empire above them but being misled and being um being misled by their religious authorities and i never thought about it from this perspective of i knew okay god is the whole of the old testament is, is leading to jesus I, I firmly believe that um but i had never thought about it from the perspective of um the very thing that, that for the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, for, for the Pharisees and Sadducees, they would have been looking for the sign of the Messiah was that the kingdom of Israel was coming back in power. And the true sign of the Messiah is that the Messiah has come and he is um, lifting up the gentle and the lowly. And and for me, he gives the example that the Pharisees are looking for these signs and they're, they're checking the sky to see what the weather will be like. Um, and it's almost as if Jesus is saying like, Hey, you're checking for what the weather will be like, whereas I'm, you know, I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> whereas I'm, I'm trying to show you the sign that the tectonic plates are going to shift, and it, it's just this completely different paradigm and way of, of viewing the world and viewing everything. And so, yeah, but I, the, I, I think that connected a little bit to what you said, but you just said that that one thing that really stuck out to me. My takeaway on that for me is just to be open, uh, you know. That there is this sense that that God will help me read things, and I think there is that mark of maturity where you're able to step back and say, "What's really happening here?" and to get godly wisdom about that, and how do you help those people that are at least willing to listen? I uh, but also just like with everything, be aware that I'm typically only a few steps away from becoming the Pharisee in the room. I mm-hmm. uh, once I start thinking, "Wow, I am good at this. Boy, they're lucky to have me here," and it's like. I'm a Pharisee. So so keeping those two things in, in tandem. What perplexes you? Yeah, it's really simple, and I don't think there's an answer that we can have here. Uh, Jesus basically tells these these people that, like, hey, you guys are not getting it. You're not even looking in the right direction. Uh, and you don't you wouldn't be happy if you were looking in the right direction. Well, you wouldn't be happy if you were right. if you were seeing it. And I'm trying to figure out who is Jesus talking to? Like what? Who does Jesus say this for? Like, is he saying it for the benefit of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Like five months from that point, or one or two? Like who? Or is he saying it for his disciples that hear him? Is he saying it specifically for us? Um, because I, I just think about that that he he seems so frustrated, rightfully so, with the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, and yet he still gives them the time of day. He still gives them this peace, and so I'm just really perplexed on on um, on what the motivation is for this for this. 
Um, and I'm sure that it's a little bit of both and, and, and a grab bag of reasons. Um, but with how frustrated Jesus seems and how determined it seems that, that the Pharisees and Sadducees are to not get the point, um, who, who Jesus is trying to communicate to doesn't seem super clear to me. Yeah, that, that is a really, I hadn't, wouldn't have thought of that question and you don't even know the apostles are there until you have the next transition. It's obvious they were, they were there. So, and then that leads to this discussion about, you know, hey, be careful. This is almost what I was thinking when I was, when I said, um, you know, I'll, I'll start and it'll be good, but then it'll like, it'll morph if I'm not careful. And that's the use of the Pharisees. It's like, it's like, I did good. Not bad. I am awesome. All right. You're in trouble. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now my opinion's the only valid one, you know? And so that's it. But then he, he, he moves to, if you just follow this chapter's timeline, he moves to who do the people say I am? Who do you say I am? You're the Christ. I'm building my church. And then right after that, it says he began to tell them about what he would suffer. So I do think there's an emotional point here in Jesus' world where many times what he'll do is he'll ask them, he'll answer a question by asking a question. Like he's, he's actually probing typically. That's what's interesting about this interaction is usually he either has a lot more words to say or there's some action going on where he redirects to the people versus the Pharisees, or he asks them questions, you know what I mean? But he's just like, they ask him, hey, give us a sign. And you know they think this is a big moment. We're standing up, we're asking for a sign. He's like, you guys think you're smart. You're not smart. The only sign you're getting is this. And he walks away. I mean, that whole interaction was 30 seconds, a minute, you know? And I see this as part of his, there was something valuable to the words he said, but in the overall flow of this, this is exactly where he's like, look, I need you guys to understand, the apostles, that you don't have to fear these men because they still see themselves, Jesus as a buffer. That was the most frightening aspect of Jesus' death, I think, other than our whole world is turned upside down. Um, but it is that idea that that it's like we've lost our buffer. And see, now they will be going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. And I think he's. it, it, it would make sense to me that he's making a decision right there, which he hasn't up to this point, to say, we're about to cover a lot of ground real quick. First of which is, your whole sense of who holds the power is off. And I need to start introducing that to you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Amazing Perplex podcast. Uh, it always means a lot to us. We're, we're past 80 episodes now, which is, is crazy. Kind of close in on 100 at some point this year, probably. I think that's right. My math is not super great. Anyways, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, if, if this blesses you, um, if it helps you interact with scripture in a unique way for, in your setting, we just uh, humbly ask if you know anybody that you think would benefit from it to, to share it with them. Somebody that might've been um, hurt by uh, a my way or the highway sort of approach to scripture, or we have all the answers and nobody else does. And, um, and let us, let, let me feed them to you. If, if you know of anybody that way and they just feel like God, you know, the scriptures are so unapproachable, maybe this would be a cool avenue to, to share with them, to maybe help them um, encounter Jesus in a very real uh, and safe way. Um, So we just humbly put that before you and thank you for listening. Grace, peace, and love.